Netrodyne didn't invent fleet safety, but they revolutionized it. Netrodyne uses the proven power of positive reinforcement to create safer drivers and reduce driver turnover. Welcome to the Green Zone. Welcome to Taking the High Road, a Driver Reach and Freight Waves production. I'm your host, Jeremy Raymer, founder and CEO of Driver Reach. On this show, I interview industry experts and thought leaders who bring their insights to the driver lifecycle as we discuss the industry's greatest challenges, driver recruiting and retention. I appreciate all the positive feedback on the show. Uh, and please remember take, uh, to uh, rate and review Taking the High Road on whatever platform you're using to listen. I'm excited today to be joined uh, by Dustin Kale, the Senior Vice President of Sales at Chattanooga-based U.S. Express. He's very active in the industry. Surely you've seen him. And if you're not, and if you haven't yet, you absolutely will. He's very active in the American Trucking Association on a, on a number of levels. Uh, recently, he's the vice chair of ATA subcommittee on uh, automated trucks. And uh, he also helps lead U.S. Express's partnership with the uh, MIT. Uh, also, he's an avid reader, and I'll, we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, great to see you, Dustin. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, Jeremy, thanks for having me. And uh, thanks again for, for your work and really being a, a great ambassador to uh, our industry. Right back at you. Um, you know, during today's conversation, I, I, I certainly want to cover U.S. Express's work on what's called the variant model. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that. I know a little bit of that is, uh, is sort of top secret. Uh, uh, also, there's a recent uh, a U.S. Express report about freight demand and trucking capacity. And there were some, some comments there that I think I'd like to unpack a little bit. Uh, your work on the subcommittee on autonomous trucks, that seems to be a hot topic and uh, a point of contention and something that uh, a deeper dive question I think I want to uh, ask you related to that. And so uh, that should round out the you know 25 minutes or so that we have here. Does that work for you? That works for me. Let's jump in and uh, talk a little bit about trucking. Before we do that, uh, you uh, and I are both, we both enjoy reading. We realize that the growth uh, that comes from reading. In fact, there's a, a quote that I remember, uh, a room or a house without books is like a room without windows. And so uh, could you share, is there a, a recent book that you've read or one that you might recommend to the audience that has really, really made a difference for you? Yeah, great question. And um, yeah, you can certainly tell that you love some books behind you there. Uh, for me, Jeremy, the one that really stands out uh, is a book, Remarkable, by uh, Randy Ross. And it is a great leadership parable that really just presses into this idea of creating value, value creation. And oftentimes uh, I say to our organization that you can either breathe life or take life uh, from an organization. And so it just does a great, great job of telling this story holistically uh, of this leader in his personal life and how that relates into the workplace and uh, you get some elements of kind of Chick-fil-A and their thought leadership in there, too. So, yeah, we've had probably 200 plus people read that book. I would say at Total Transportation at U.S. Express, uh, friends in the industry like Dan Van Alstein and Brandon Neville uh, as well. So, yeah. How about you, Jeremy? Remarkable. You say remarkable. OK, uh, that's a good one. I haven't I'm not familiar with it uh, other than you sharing it, you know, before we uh, we started talking here. But. Um, I'm, I'll write that one down. I'll uh, I'll read it. I, as you see, I do enjoy reading a lot of a lot of books on my shelf. One of the more recent ones that I read that I really enjoyed, I think I've got it right over here. Um, it's uh, I can't find it off the top of my head, but it's it's by the uh, by Disney, by the the CEO of Disney, uh, the newest CEO, the current CEO, not 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 Eisner. Um, it's really really good. There's such powerful takeaways in it. 
you know, it's what was really what I really enjoyed about it is the fact that over the course of the last, uh, you know, 30 years or so, it's really a history of Disney as well as my whole life. You know, you see and how the, how it's morphed into what it is today. And and especially with the leadership that that is there right now with this particular person, I think he's uh, he's he's fantastic. The type of person uh, that you really want to follow. Uh, you mentioned Dan Van Alstine, kind of kind of like that type of person. Where you're like, I really like that guy. I think he's a really good person, and I want to. I would follow that guy. So talk about Dan, a company that's had to evolve and uh, disrupt in so many ways, especially in this digital era with what they do. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's all broken down in that book, which is really cool. Um, and by the way, we've mentioned Dan now a few times, so if he's listening, you know, uh, his ears are ringing either way. You uh, you've been in the industry 15 years or more. Um, but I think, you know, trucking wasn't your, you didn't, you didn't, you know, go to school and say, I'm going to get into the trucking industry, right? That's, uh, how did you, how did you originally get into it? Kind of what, how did that evolve? Yeah, that's a fun question. And it, yeah, I was a finance major in undergrad at uh, UT Knoxville. And uh, I'd met the CEO of Total Transportation, John Stomps. And um, I had interned with Morgan Keegan, Morgan Stanley, uh, thought I would really go into financial services, but uh, through that meeting with John Stomps um, multiple times, I got to meet not only his family, but his employees and management team and kind of celebrate some holidays with them and really kind of fell in love, not just with the people, but the industry itself. And then really at the time you go back to, gosh, 2007 or so, uh, the industry was a lot different. And so I really got a full picture of what a trucking terminal was, uh, what the workforce did, and really who they served across this country. And I wanted to be a part of that. I saw a lot of opportunity for uh, younger talent to come in that industry, because even at UT Knoxville, uh, a lot of the supply chain grads or even finance grads, they were going straight to the shippers or the retailers, manufacturers. And uh, I thought this was just something different. And uh you just look back and now it's 15 years and been a, a wild ride to say the least. Well, you're, you're all in. I mentioned earlier your involvement with, uh, with ATA. And I think that's where I've you know gotten to know you most. And um, you're, you're front and center, you know, uh, you're, you're very visible in that, in that group in, in leading in a lot of capacities. And we'll, I know we'll dive into that in a little bit, but with your role at, at us express and, you know, being a part of that, that company, you know, they're a, truly a, a, a innovative motor carrier, you know, the, the company's, uh, you know, very forward looking, you know, mindset, very future oriented, um, you know, first to, you know, test technologies like alternative fuel trucks, automated trucks, uh, other, you know, cutting edge systems. You've been experimenting with something called this variant model. And I'm hoping that now might be an opportunity for you to share a little bit about what variant model is and, you know, how, how US Express is using that concept in its driver recruiting and retention efforts. Yeah. I'd love to, and uh, certainly it was uh, a big reason why I came to US Express. You know, as a total transportation for 12 plus years, uh, based out of Jackson, Mississippi, and uh, a subsidiary of US Express. So I've been a part of the enterprise for a long time, uh, but being in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, more of a traditional trucking company, uh, I would say one of the best operators uh, in this space and been around for gosh, 25 plus years. And Jeremy, the fun thing about being at Total before we jump into to Variant was you and I have talked about VC and venture capital and kind of technology blowing up this space. Well, the great thing at Total 
it felt like that every day. It felt like a startup. You were just trying things and you felt like the doors were burning down every day when they really weren't, but there was that type of sense of urgency in what we were doing to really best serve the driver and the customer. And so I'm a traditional trucker at heart, um, but then you learn about these new technologies and academic resources and all these political landscapes that really impact our world. And so as U.S. Express was, again, being U.S. Express, being innovative, not just in fleet and, and really just equipment and really redesigning and rethinking how we best serve uh, the driver and then ultimately the customer. And so that's where variant comes into play back in 2019, uh, which really the definition or the Latin meaning uh, of variant is to change, to do something different. And while I have just a deep respect and appreciation for this industry, uh, all the way back to the 1980s when deregulation happened, that we have some phenomenal leaders that have been a part of this industry for 30, 40 plus years in the truckload space. But along the way, we worked really hard um, and hard every day, but maybe not in the most efficient manner. And so now we have all this technology to apply uh, to really create, I think, a better driver experience. And so as we've talked, Jeremy, this is a high-touch people industry. And so blending the technology and the people together, uh, it's a really fun season. So what I'll share about Variant to kick off uh, really starts with uh, Cameron Ramsdale. He was the chief technology officer uh, at Cody Logistics for several years. And he's come over to U.S. Express uh, back in 2019 and really applied a lot of the digital technologies with uh, the fun words we love to talk about, AI, predictive analytics, and machine learning, uh, of how to really apply that to the driver experience. And then I'll mention, too, that really the foundation for a variant is pressing in to some of the, what I would say, brokenness and the hard parts of being over the road two and three weeks at a time. And, you know, you know these things better than I with your, your day job as well. I mean, drivers, they want consistency. They want to know when they're going to be home. They would love to understand um, what is a consistent paycheck, what is respect, and ultimately, how do we provide the best support uh, for our professional drivers? And really, we did a ton of research uh, and analytics behind this as well. So the fun thing to share about Variant is really it was incubated uh, down in Midtown Atlanta, uh, really as an extension of almost kind of that Georgia Tech campus area. Uh, really intentional by Eric Fuller and Cameron uh, to incubate in Atlanta. Felt like this would be a great place to attract talent and really to form its own identity in this space. And so it's fun to share, uh, being a traditional trucker at heart, that uh, we have many a PhD data scientists uh, outside of the industry that work for Variant now. Uh, these are data scientists from, um, we'll say, the hospitality and tourism sector also from the airline industry and just big technology, um, now entering our space and really solving really complex problems uh, for our drivers uh, present day. So that's, uh, you talk about, you know, PhDs and, you know, really like engineers and just sort of applying technology and, you know, kind of keeping in line with a the theme here around innovation and technology. You know, you, all the, the, the MIT partnership, the work that you're doing, you know, uh, studying, you know, uh, trucking labor issues in depth. Can you can you share also a little bit about that relationship, uh, the type of research that's being done from from MIT, and uh, you know, any conclusions that you're, you know, drawing so far? Sure. You know, it, it goes hand in hand. 
um, and certainly a tool in our toolkit to really best serve uh, the driver and our customers. And so our partnership with MIT, and Jeremy, I do tell people often that it is a privilege and an honor to facilitate this partnership, but if it wasn't for trucking, the closest that I would get to MIT was probably watching Goodwill Hunting. Um, it may be the same for you, uh, I would hope or say. So um, MIT has uh, what's called the Center for Transportation and Logistics. And I think what's great uh, in recent years, there has been such an interest in the trucking industry because we're seeing really how critical it is to the supply chain overall in this country and really all over the world. So we all know that MIT uh, is a world leader uh, as an academic institution. And the fun thing within the Center for Transportation Logistics is this freight lab, really a consortium uh, of a great deal of the shipper community uh, over I would say 200 shippers that are within uh, the MIT Freight Lab. Um, but Jeremy, what's interesting to me and where we felt like we needed to be a part of this was there's just a handful of truckers uh, that are a part of the Freight Lab. We've got a handful of digital brokers as well. But as you and I love to share our story and really educate and advocate for this industry, it was another opportunity to press in to this academic institution that is just really craving the ability to do research in this space. And so we pressed in with one of the challenges that we see across the industry, uh, which is really driver utilization. And as you know, uh, on a 14 hour day for a driver, uh, most drivers only see about six and a half uh, hours of utilization uh, on any given day. So we did a great deal of research across our over the road fleets to see if there were any opportunities to really create a better experience for utilization. And so we engaged uh, two graduate students from MIT, uh, two young ladies that were extremely talented, very unique backgrounds, uh, and then pressed into a lot of these challenges. And so they reported out on uh, really their initial findings from this project that was almost uh, nine months uh, working with uh, our CIO and uh, his team uh, working with the fleets, uh, conducting driver interviews, uh, and then certainly our operational and customer experience teams as well. And so uh, much of this went back, Jeremy, to consistency. Uh, really what we saw in these parallels were consistency, uh, really in route planning, and really for the drivers to have the opportunity to visit those facilities uh, more than six or seven times. Uh, that if they had the same opportunity to go just a couple of times, one or three times, really didn't make a difference. But as you and I have talked about this many a times, it's a high touch people business. And so as they had the consistency, they got to know the people at the guard shack. They got to know the people that were unloading and loading. So they may that may seem simple, but there is a great story to tell behind the data there. Well, and it matters. You know, we are at the end of the day, we're people. And people do business with people and you, especially people that you, you like and you trust and you build relationships with them. And, and so I think it, it matters that they, they are in a position where they can engage with those folks. I would imagine you talk about the, you know, uh, opportunity potential to improve utilization. I would imagine truck parking uh, plays a, a pretty big role, finding, you know, adequate truck parking. And interestingly, I had uh, an interview uh, recently um, with the founder of, of Truck Park, a company that's trying to solve for that. And it's a big deal. As you know, as a, as a former, you were on Atri's RAC, you know, Research Advisory Committee, and I'm on it now. I think we just missed each other. Um, that's been a high priority, you know, uh, it's been a, 
it's a major issue for drivers in terms of their uh, their number one. You know, drivers you know reported number one issue, and obviously recruiting and retention is a big one for for fleets. And so it makes sense that if if that's something that matters a lot to drivers, then it, those who are trying to recruit you know and keep those drivers should probably try to address that. Yeah, and Jeremy, isn't it amazing that drivers spend almost an hour looking for truck parking uh, each time that they have to break? I mean, that tells you there is such a challenge or problem to solve in this industry, even so that the Wall Street Journal has decided that a couple of times the past few years. Yeah. And, and you know, and you're, you're involved in a lot of different areas. I think uh, you're also with the uh, ATA, you know, I know even U.S. Express, you're involved in autonomous trucking on, on several levels. Um, I do want to talk about your role uh, in the uh, in ATA's automated uh, truck subcommittee. Um, and I also want to talk about maybe. U.S. Express's involvement because it's been very vocal, very public about your um, relationship with Too Simple, who I also had a chance to interview, uh, Jim Mullen, you know, chief administrative officer on this show. Really good conversation. But um, can you kind of maybe share a little bit about your involvement with the committee, like what that committee does, and maybe more broadly, where you see uh, automated trucking, you know, fitting into fleet operations, you know, tomorrow and in, you know, 20 years from now? Yeah, another great question and very passionate about this topic as well. And, and Jeremy, I've got to relate this back to being kind of this traditional trucker at heart that, you know, the great thing at total over that 12 year period was you get to see this overall landscape and really be a part of most functions of the business. And so, you know, you think about that and how do you combine that with all these new technologies? And really what we're trying to press into is, is the future in so many ways. And as you know, I mean, we're in a very fragmented industry where there's over $800 billion worth of freight, uh, about $400 billion in uh, truckload freight. And our friends on Wall Street and VC and, and all over the world are taking interest of how do we disrupt? How do we gain market share? Um, so that's where these autonomous developers really come into play. And you can see that with some of the valuations that have been 10 and 13 and 15 billion dollars, uh, which is just unheard of in this industry. So um, I think it's been organically or just kind of this evolving process for me uh, being a part uh, of a great organization at Total and U.S. Express and then very fortunate just for the experiences that I've had at the ATA uh, previously, I was a communications chair and did some great work on just kind of image and just helping educate and advocate uh, for our industry, which really led me to uh, seeing this evolving landscape as we talk about with autonomous. And Jeremy, what I noticed uh, really is that there weren't a whole lot of truckers at the table uh, that were talking about the policy and regulatory environment. And to answer your question, that's really what the automated truck subcommittee does is help shape uh, the federal regulatory and policy environment. And so this has been together now, gosh, almost four years. A friend of um, Robert Haig headed up the initial committee and uh, did a wonderful job setting the framework and so many things into motion. Um, what I'll share with you is something very interesting to me that happened in May at the mid-year meeting that you go into this meeting and um, there was about 65 people participating in this subcommittee meeting. And there was really just about four truckers uh, that were there uh, that were really raising hands and asking questions and shaping regulatory doesn't mean just kind of the rules of the road. That's also the technology 
uh, of what we call L4 or L5 uh, of really enabling technology that at some point will remove the driver from the truck. So uh, very passionate and love this industry just like yourself and really want to make sure that we're thinking about the driver uh, in this um, scenario because this technology is here. Uh, most states, I think we're up to probably 36 or 37 states that really allow for L4 testing and really even allow for L4 deployment uh, as it stands today. So it's here. Uh, we're fortunate enough to uh, be very involved in this space. As you mentioned, we have a CEO that's very progressive in this and wants to be at the forefront uh, of it. So we have been uh, involved in various pilots over the past two years. And you referenced variant uh, earlier. That's an important part of this, of freight optimization and the significant CapEx that we have uh, really with that in mind. So I think this is a perfect segue, being that we're on the autonomous uh, subject to a, a deeper dive, our deeper dive segment, um, especially this common question that's that's come up a number of times. Uh, same one that was posed to uh, Jim Mullen, you know, a few episodes ago. And how can I convince potential drivers that their jobs won't be eliminated soon with autonomous vehicles? You know, what do you say to the U.S. Express driver that says, uh, uh, or or the prospective driver who says, I, I don't want, I'm going to have to go do something else because I feel like the, the you know the end is near. Yeah. So I have a unique perspective. I just finished up a year fellowship um, here in Chattanooga with the Center for Faith and Works. And so we went through this design and innovation uh, framework over the past year. And my project was actually pretty much on the question you just asked. And so there is a lot of fear uh, in our industry of really job elimination. And so I really did this research framework around really four attributes of how do we look at job enablement? Uh, as number one. Number two would be the environmental impacts. Number three would be really how do we restore community or look at some of the brokenness or isolation that our over-the-road drivers uh, have. And then the fourth um, that we have to do, if we're going to be genuine about the other three, is uh, how do we aggregate capacity responsibly when everyone's trying to attack market share? And then at the center of that, you know, safety uh, being uh, the forefront of all of those things uh, that we do. Um, so for us in our position that we think there will be um, better jobs and more consistent jobs in this industry, that the truck driver is not going away completely, that we believe that autonomous trucks will first uh, disrupt, uh, as we see, as intermodal moves. When we talk about that piece of the pie of freight, there's about $20 billion in annual revenue uh, that we think can be disrupted when you look at a lower cost model of autonomous trucks. Um, one other element uh, that we see down the road is the traditional team model. If you have autonomous trucks or the technologies that L4 and eventually L5 uh, will enable the years to come, do you really need two drivers in that cab? Uh, so there are some great advantages to this. And ultimately our hope is that this technology really enables a better quality of life for those drivers to be at home more consistently uh, in, in their neighborhoods, in their communities, and in their churches. I have never heard anyone reference the whole concept around, you know, the potential disruption to the team model. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, when I think about autonomous technology, I actually, I have a car that has semi-autonomous functionality. And I think of, I think of, uh, the impact that that might have as that technology continues to evolve in the trucking space that, that that might help 
attract more younger entrants into the industry. You know, those who we, we, we so desperately need, we're not, we are, we are losing more every year, you know, by and large than new entrants coming in. And I think with the, with some really uh, neat technology, you know, I think that enhances the driver experience. So my pers- perspective is sh- certainly in the long term, there's going to be some things that we're going to have to adapt to. But um, between now and then, I think the opportunity we have to really attract a younger group and hopefully impact the image uh, that that we really need to improve. And I know you're very active in in image. You, you talked about some of the work that you've uh, done and been doing with ATA. Uh, I was fortunate enough to also have a conversation with one of your uh, good friends and fellow uh, lead ATA alumni, uh, Anna Fafford from CNK Trucking. And we actually talked about trucking you and the work that you did, uh, you know, kind of helping that get started and, and uh, her involvement in it as well. And it's just, that is helping to shape the future of what, what the industry is going to be, getting the right people right out of college and into the industry in all different, you know, uh, positions. So really appreciate your involvement there. Yeah, thanks. And Trucking You is a great program. I mean, it's been around for five years. And Jeremy, it's one of those old sayings, build it up to give it away. And there was just a handful of us that had a good idea, but then we handed it off to uh, some other lead graduates and it has just blown up. And, And Jeremy, it's gone from the first pilot year, we had Auburn University come and join us with, I think, 14 students or so. Uh, you look back and now we're in the, I guess, approaching the sixth year at MCNE in October this year. I think they have engaged over 30 schools uh, that are now looking to attend MCNE this year, which is an incredible opportunity to really educate these supply chain students and business students. And I think even other majors um, across the country, as far as Alaska, I think is uh, one of the schools that were engaged. And one of the things I say often to these college students is, yeah, you can go work for one of these retailers or manufacturers or food and beverage companies, but have you considered working for a transportation company that touches all of them and that we're helping design solutions and that we're a part of their supply chain every day? Well, I really appreciate uh, uh, the work that you're doing. Uh, it's fun to to watch. It's fun to really feel like I'm kind of shoulder to shoulder with you in this uh, in this fight to continue to improve the industry. Um, grateful for you to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I do Thanks. look forward. You mentioned MCNE. Look forward to seeing you there and, and, and seeing you in person again soon. Yep. We will uh, have to head down to Tootsie's or somewhere with the cowboy boots on. You hear me? You know what's funny? I'm not a huge fan of, uh, of country music generally, except if you're in Nashville, live music is amazing. And there's such good uh, musicians. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Thanks again, Dustin. I'll see you soon. Thank you. And thank you for joining me for another episode of Taking the High Road and for spreading the word to your industry peers. We really appreciate it. Remember, you can submit any questions or comments, including those which may appear on upcoming Deeper Dive segments at podcast at driverreach.com. And don't forget to rate and review Taking the High Road on whatever platform you listen. Until next time, thank you for Taking the High Road.